0: What does it mean to not only share Jesus with the next generation, but also equip parents to be the spiritual leaders in their homes? On this episode of Student Ministry Connection, we'll take a deep dive into what all that means and how we as youth leaders can begin to equip parents in what the Bible says is their role. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and I've served in student ministry since 1999, and I'm currently serving with the National Network of Youth Ministries, where I get to equip, empower, and encourage youth pastors and youth ministries as they network and collaborate with each other to make a greater impact. As I've said in previous episodes, I've got caught up in what Doug Fields calls one of the biggest bait and switches in student ministry. We feel called into it because of our love for Jesus and making him known among teenagers, but we soon realize that we now spend a lot of time with our adults. Specifically, we need to invest in our team, but we also need to invest in parents and partnering with them. So what does that look like? As a young youth pastor, I was very overwhelmed by this idea. How could I help parents when I was barely an adult myself? So I started off working on my communication with parents, which is something that Michelle talked about on episode 118. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend you check it out to hear directly from a parent. This episode though, I'm talking with Sam McDowell, a youth leader, a parent, and also author of the book, Parent Equip, which is all about how we can restore parents as the primary spiritual leaders in their homes. It's something organizations like Orange and D6 have dedicated their entire ministries to. But what does it practically look like? Sam not only outlines a simple strategy that can be applied to many different settings, but at the end of the podcast, he also provides a way for many of you to get his book for just the cost of shipping. But before we get into any of that, let's pause to thank the sponsor of this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see every life situation through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you just need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just over $200. Looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides? That's just over $300. Or do you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum? G-Shades has you covered for just over $400. You will not find a youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere else. There are lots of great curriculum options out there, but G Shades is set apart because of their focus on the gospel. Every lesson focuses so much on Jesus and how to see the world and life situations through that lens of the gospel. You can also learn more about the creator, Mike Haynes, on episodes 32, 55, and 93 of this podcast. So head over to gshades.org. That's g s h a d e s .org to download season five of G Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum, and be sure to use the promo code Connection at check out to save $20 off your order. G Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you so much G Shades for sponsoring this episode. You can find the link to G Shades in the podcast show notes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Sam.
1: Yeah, so glad to be here, man. Appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for my sake, but also the sake of our listeners, I'd love to give you a chance to tell a little more about who you are and your story, maybe how you came into relationship with Jesus and how you got started in ministry.
1: I actually come from a pretty broken home. The way that I say it is my parents were really great parents, but horrible spouses. And so as we were growing up, I have an older sister and a younger sister. As we were growing up, they were really great and present for us personally, but uh, their marriage was an absolute disaster. And so my parents separated when I was 12 and really actually in that same season, I was being bullied in school and I was going to a really small church that I sort of grew up in. And in that season, my youth pastor sexually abused me. So within like a six month period, my, my parents separated and divorced. I was being bullied in school and my youth pastor who was really the only person that i could connect with on a mentoring level took advantage of me and so i felt very alone lost in a lot of ways and so i i actually pulled back from the church for a while i'm really thankful that and i know this now but i didn't recognize it then just thankful that god really had protected me in that time and, and really kept my heart from projecting all of that pain and that hurt on him because I never really pulled back from him. I just distanced mm. myself from the church because of that hurt and started going to another church that I ended up going to for about 12, 13 years. And so that's where my faith journey really began. I was really plugged into the youth ministry, started playing guitar and leading worship when I was about 13 and grew up at that church, went through all their leadership programs was leading worship, involved in the youth ministry. And when I was 16, I went on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic. And we had some missionaries there. It was a really life-changing trip for me. And that's where I was called into ministry, baptized. And my life from that point on was never going to be the same. Mm -hmm. I had experienced God in a way that was so tangible and real and And so I knew coming home that I was supposed to be in ministry. So I started learning a lot about ministry, taking time to get close to my leaders. And I ended up joining the staff when I was 20, my wife and I got married at 20 and 21. And so we got married on a Friday and I started ministry that Sunday. And I do not recommend that to anybody (laughs) because we were at a very large church, very fast paced. And so for the first couple of years, my wife and I really didn't even have a day off together. It was just a really unhealthy start Mm -hmm. to the ministry and marriage dynamic. But I I realize I'm talking now for a couple of minutes and haven't even mentioned my family. So I've been married for 12, almost 12 years. My wife, her name is Elizabeth. Uh, She is a licensed mental health therapist. So her and I sort of have similar lives. We've dedicated all of what we are and all of what we do to helping people. And then we have three kids. Caleb is our seven year old. Josiah is our, our, our five-year-old, now six, he just turned six. And then mm-hmm. Hannah is four and Hannah is the obvious girl that has two older brothers. She runs mm-hmm. every room she walks into <laughs> and it just, we have a really great, great reality. Ministry's taken us to a few different states. Uh, I worked at that original church for five and a half years. And then we transitioned to uh, Alabama. I was uh, on staff at a church in a little small town called Enterprise, Alabama. And it was a a really great experience. We were there for about two years. I did youth and young adults ministry and quite a few other things, which everybody listening probably knows exactly (laughs) what I mean by that. And then surprisingly, the Lord led us to Kenosha, Wisconsin. And so we were in Wisconsin for a little over three years at an amazing church there. And I did primarily youth ministry. I oversaw uh, a youth staff. We were a multi-site church, and uh, that's honestly where I began working on my book. And I began taking what God had uh, sort of wired in me throughout my ministry journey and putting it on paper. It was COVID, really the COVID season. I was home a lot, obviously, like all of us. And uh, the Lord just began to help me. Get it all out on paper. And so, just really thankful for that season. We're back home now with all of our family in Fort Myers, Florida. Really thankful to be here. We always said after our first church experience, that transition was pretty brutal. It was incredibly painful. Mm -hmm. And so, we said for years we would never come back to Fort Myers. But, -hmm. you know, the Lord works wonderful things and heals us and restores us. And so, we're thankful to be back with all of our family. I'm at a wonderful church now, actually working for one of my high school best friends. Hmm. And so we started on day one with complete and total trust. And I just celebrated a year here and I'm loving it. So Mm. that's a little bit of my ministry and faith journey there.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And thanks for, thanks for sharing and being a little vulnerable there. Like that's, that's some really tough stuff. And man, I'm just so thankful that that didn't rock your faith. I mean that's that's some stuff yeah. that that should have from an earthly perspective, that should have taken you away from not only the church but your relationship with with Jesus, but yeah. that didn't happen and now here you are so much stronger and I'm sure that's probably played into some of your ministry as well and how you see <sighs> teenagers and the next generation and parents and and all that. Have you have you seen yep. just maybe an example oh, of how yeah. that's played in?
1: oh for sure yeah i mean so i I, you know i was sexually abused when i was 13 but no one else knew until i was 16. Mm -hmm. so my mom uh came into my room one time i was a teenager and she said hey uh your youth pastor um was just uh uh, arrested for sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and she said do you have anything you want to share with me like did anything ever happen and i was like oh no nothing ever happened to me you know like And anybody listening to this right now, that's been sexually abused. You know, exactly what I'm talking about. You don't want to tell anybody there's so much shame. And so anyways, she, she said, well, I'm, you know, a detective wants to talk to all those that were close to him. And I'm like, that's fine. Totally. And obviously detectives are brilliant and they got it out of me. But that next year I changed schools and went to a Christian private school. So I did public school all the way up until my junior year. And the first week we had spiritual emphasis week. And I had a teacher. I didn't even know who she was. She just walked up to me. She said, I believe the Lord spoke to me that you are supposed to share your story. And she's like, I don't know what that means, Hmm. but I just, I really believe you're supposed to share your testimony. And I I told her, I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I don't know anybody here. I know like two people and that's a lot. Like, I don't really want to share that. And she said, well, just pray about it. If the Lord leads you to it, let's do it. And obviously Uh, he, you know, he wants to use our story. He wants to use our testimony. And, and so I told her that I'd do it. I stood on stage in front of hundreds of students that I had no idea who they were. (laughs) And I was that new guy and shared exactly what I just shared a few moments ago. And that week, I had almost 10 people come up to me, pull me aside and say, Hey, uh, I've never told anybody before. But the same thing that happened to you happened to me, and I don't know what to do. And really, it was in that season where I realized the power, you know, Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm -hmm. That became a little bit more real to me than ever before. And so, yes, that has been a foundational key in my youth Mm -hmm. ministry journey, connecting with students, because so many students have been abused, whether it was mild abuse or horrible Mm -hmm. abuse, abuse is abuse. Uh, And so I have no hesitation to share that part of my story because God has been so good in revealing how the pain that I once felt can be used to honor him and glorify his name and really help people navigate what they've gone through.
0: Well, thank you so much again for for sharing that. And clearly God has convinced you that leading within Next Gen Ministry is not just about Impacting the next generation, but it's also to equip parents and, as you say, restore them yep. as the primary spiritual leaders of the homes. And so, I love in your book how you dig deep into what the Bible says about that. So, I would love just if you could provide just a quick overview of what does the Bible actually say about the role of parents in their kids' lives, specifically in the spiritual lives of their kids.
1: The starting point for me always goes back to what did the early church look like, you know, and, and that. The The way the early church looked like doesn't have to be some like doctrinal, like, this was it. So if you do it any other way, your way is the wrong way. I, I think we have to get away from extreme thinking. Uh, it's not one way or the other. We've got to figure out how to bridge what the early church looked like into today's world, uh, not compromising the foundational pieces of what the early church looked like. But parents were with their kids all the time and they didn't have church services they gathered together in groups they didn't have kids ministries they didn't have youth ministries they had parents and so really over the years i've just gone back to what god births what god breathes out it's perfect like he does not make imperfect things and so when we look at the book of acts we see the early church There was a very intentional way the church exploded. There was a very intentional way that the church was birthed. And so that's always my starting, my starting point. Just what did the early church look like? And that was parents were close to their kids and not just like hanging out and having fun in the discipleship process. The other thing that you see in the early church is it's not the priest or the pastor or the church leader that does the discipleship with the kids. It was the parents. And so that's the, the the starting point for me. And then obviously, in, in the first portion of my book, I give a bunch of scriptures that back it up. And really, nobody I think is going to argue with me on that. I mean, there's plenty of scriptures that back up the important, significant role, really the mandatory, and I don't always like using that word, but the mandatory role of a parent as the spiritual discipler in their child's life. And so the Bible consistently points to the parent's role always. And so the question though, is what do we do when the Bible points to that? But yet we see a significant amount of parents, either not following Jesus or claiming to follow Jesus, but there is really no discipleship process or journey in their own life. Mm -hmm. So how can you implement into somebody else's life where you're not living out on your own, you know? And so that's usually my starting point when it comes to this.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's huge, and, and I have noticed that over the years as well. My, my master's thesis was on mentoring, and I took an approach of looking at the secular view of mentoring, a biblical view of mentoring, but also a Christian author's view of mentoring, and it was really eye-opening to me as I took a deep dive into scripture as well, and it seems like we had kind of similar journeys on that to realize that there was, there were no programs, there were no mentoring programs. There's no big brothers, big sisters or something like that in the Bible. It was was parents and grandparents investing in the next generation. They took that role very seriously. And I love how you said it in your book, you just kind of summarized it. God's plan was for families to build and preserve a legacy of faith with a deep, significant faith in God and his word passed down from generation to generation. Why have we yeah. strayed from that plan?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Why? <laughs> why? I mean, because we lived in a jacked up world. That's <laughs> why. I mean, parents, one of the reoccurring things that I tell, tell youth leaders to do when they are around parents is to recognize that parents are trying the best they can with what they know. And, and, if it's hard for a teenager to grow up in this world, like with social media and all of the, who, what to trust, who's saying what, how much more difficult is it for a parent to navigate, not only what they believe, but what they're going to invest and in, so into a young person. And so whenever I'm around parents, I just, I want to posture myself and always being a, a huge encourager to them. Like I say statements like you're doing better than you think you are because parents consistently think, and, and I mean, as a dad, I constantly feel like I'm failing, you know? And so I I think the first part is just recognizing that we live in a really difficult world. And I'm not saying that in the early church, it wasn't a difficult, difficult world. I, I just think that maybe things are a little bit more complex now. And we're also not just dealing with parents. Like for instance, I'm a parent of three kids. I'm not just dealing, with my own parenting journey. I'm also dealing with my upbringing, generational investment into me as a child. And there are constantly things that I'm having to like like rid myself of that's not even really my own. It's my parents' stuff that was sowed inside of me. And so we're dealing with generations and generations and generations of either dysfunction or them being misled, misguided, and we see that throughout the church. I mean, the church, if you look at the church, there's a wide span of approaches and philosophies, and I don't know if that was the case right in the beginning of the early church. I mean, it was, was pretty consistent, like they did things the same way. But over time, the, the chasm just grows larger. And while I believe deeply in this book, and while I believe deeply in other pastors and leaders that talk about equipping parents, I also recognize that no matter how hard we work, there's still going to be a massive void. Mm. And that honestly is the reason why I think so many youth pastors have written off the role of working with parents in their job description is because they recognize no matter what I do, there's still Mm. going to be a drastic amount of people that have kids that aren't going to disciple their kids. So I might as well just take on that responsibility. And so that over the years, as I've talked to leaders, and in and, and navigated conversations with them, the reoccurring thing I hear is, well, no matter, no matter what I do, there's still going to be a plethora of parents that aren't mm. doing their job. So I might as well just do the job. Mm. And I think that's ultimately one of the reasons why we have such a climate now where there's been a delegation of parents, you know, them delegating their, their child's discipleship journey and process to the church is because we've just made it really easy for them. And so anyways, I I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's, I would say one of the reasons why, then there's a bunch, why we're where we're at today is just time, you know, over time, things just sort of, uh, we live in a sinful world. This is sort of the enemy's dominion. And so things are, are just progressively going to get more progressive and progressively going to get worse. And so we just, oftentimes take the back seat and say, well, we'll just respond to culture and mm. parents aren't going to do their job. So we'll just do it for them. And I think that's over time. One of the reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think we've, we have taken a back seat, I think a lot of times have not been proactive in some areas because it does take work, It's, this is not an easy thing, but I love how I, in your, in your book, you got really practical, but, but you also talked about some strategies and and foundations and like founding principles that are, that should be there rather than getting into the details. Because I think, you know, as well as, as a lot of our listeners too, that. Like you can talk about something, but you have to contextualize it. And so you may do something totally. in one area that you can't just copy and paste that into something else. But, yeah, but you gave absolutely. three principles that I think are easily applicable to, to most, if not all situations. So I want people to read your book, but could you give an overview over those three founding principles of what parent equip? Looks yeah.
1: like? yeah, absolutely. So I love that you recognize the intentionality behind not going super in depth because sometimes, and I think as youth leaders, we recognize this, we see another leader do something or we see a church doing something and we think, I just have to take that and apply it to my ministry. It just doesn't always work that way because every, every person has a different lead pastor. The the pastor that I served in Alabama was a youth pastor for 30 years. So guess which department got the most budget? The youth ministry it just he was a youth pastor and so i've talked to so many youth leaders over the years who their pastor doesn't even really understand why a youth ministry should exist and so they don't have a huge budget and so everybody's is different so the foundations there's three different ones the first one is all about communication really it's it's called community over communication and what i talk about in this this portion of the book is uh we as youth leaders, uh, it's going to sound a little harsh, so go with me. We do a really subpar job at communicating with parents. And so even those that do a great job don't do enough in regards to leveraging communication to partner and equip parents to lead in their homes. So even a ministry that sends out monthly newsletters, sends out a weekly email, sends out text notifications. And let's say they hit all those things, that the type of communication, not the avenue that they use it, not the texting or the email, but the type of communication they're using might be communicating something like, hey, here's what we're doing. We just wanna let you know. But that's not parent partnership. That's not equipping parents. That's just saying, hey, we are discipling your kid we just want to keep you in the loop. And so what I what I set up in this, you know, first foundation is what if we were to shift our communication from being here's what we're doing, we just want to keep you in the loop to here's what we can do together. And so I just, you know, I give some examples on what that looks like and one of the greatest things that I've done over the years and I know a bunch of people listening to this have already done this too. So I'm not at all saying that I I invented this, but I'm just I put it in a book, you know, like this has worked for me. A Facebook group. I mean, a Facebook group has been remarkable over the years because what you do is you get people into a group, which is a community, and you create dialogue. And so that's what the community over communication is, is a multifaceted communication uh, dialogue that we have not only to parents, but with parents. And so that's a, that's like the, the, the foundational piece of the whole Parent Equip strategy. The second one is... Uh, family ministry over student or kids ministry or youth or kids ministry. So it's, it's recognizing that as youth leaders, while our title says youth, we have to shift the way we see that title playing out in the family unit. And so what I've done over the last, I don't know, probably five or six years is while my title has been youth pastor, I've just seen myself as a family pastor. And whenever I talk to youth pastors or kids pastors or directors or leaders, I I just say family because we can't just neglect the parents in efforts of discipling the student. And so I talk in that how we do that. What are some ways that we can begin to change the way that we leverage our ministry, not just to impact the student, but to impact the, the family? And so that is a very practical, very simple things. But... And this is what it, you know, usually always comes back to or what it, what it comes back to. We're running really fast. Hmm. And I, I believe if we're going back to the original question you asked, why have we gotten to this point where parents aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing? Youth leaders aren't equipping parents. I think, I don't think, I know that youth leaders are busy hmm. and whether they're busy for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, they're busy. And what we have to do is commit to stopping for a season and reevaluating why we do what we do. Mm. And in my last ministry experience, that was a big part of honestly why I'm no longer there. Mm. It's because I realized that for so many years, and this is part of me growing up in a mega church, it was always about the grind. Mm. It was always about how many more students can we save? Instead of, are we even genuinely discipling people? Mm. And, if, and if we're moving too quick, very often our values, I think, won't align with God's values. Yeah. And we will begin to major on minors. And we will begin to spend time on things that maybe aren't as mm. valuable as if we were sitting you know, face to face with Jesus, I don't think they would be as valuable to him. <laughs> and so that's what that family ministry over student ministry thing is. And then the last one is probably, I can't say it's my favorite, all these are my favorite, uh, but this is like the heart. It is important for us to see parents as heroes. <laughs> so that third foundation is making heroes over being the hero. And what youth ministry has sort of turned into and I actually project kids ministry turning into this as well, because what I, what I see, and I don't have the grand perspective, but what I'm seeing right now is the hiring process in kids ministry, people aren't just hiring the, like, the brilliant kids ministry minds as much anymore. I, I, I really think they're hiring really big personalities. And I think we could potentially see in kids ministry, what we're seeing a lot in youth ministry right now. And that is where students and kids look at the leader as the legend. We say that all the time in youth ministry. I can't tell you how many times I've been called a legend by people. And I look at them, I'm like, I've only been in youth ministry a decade, Like you can't call me a legend. Like I'm not even old enough to be a legend. Like, but we say, we say those terms all the time. And, and, while i'm not against really trendy clothes and you know jordans and all the shoes we relate so much with students and i have no problem with that i'm literally wearing jordan ones right now so (laughs) i have no problem with it but i think what we've done is we've in pursuit of connecting with students and relating to them and getting close to them we've sort of become icons Mm. in their life which makes them look at their parents as old they don't know what they're Mm. doing and so we have become the heroes in the lives of students instead of their parents. And, and don't get me wrong. I know some of you are already thinking right now, those that are listening. <laughs> yeah, but not all parents are heroic. I get that. <laughs> I know that there are some really jacked up parents. And so I'm not at all claiming that if you have the title parent, you're, you're incredible. You're doing it. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I would say, and I would really challenge anyone that opposes this thinking, majority of parents are heroic majority of parents are trying their best. And while they might not be leading their kids down the right path, they're still doing their best that they can to love their kids. And while it might not be the ideal way, we can infiltrate their home by building relationships with those parents and then over time beginning to help shift the way that that parent does what they do. And so we want to make parents heroes, I'll tell you a really fast story. And I I, I don't want to go too long and I want to honor that. But I was teaching at a, a parent night. We had quite a few parents in a room and I was teaching on what it meant to be a hero. And at the end of my teaching, I asked this question, I said, raise your hand. If you would say that you have a spiritual hero in your life and majority of the parents in the room raised their hand, there were hands all over. And I said, Okay, I want you to keep your hand up. Don't put it down. Then I said, if you would say that that spiritual hero was a parent, I want you to keep your hand up. And majority of the room put their hands down. Hmm. And I looked around and I said, parents, one day your kids are going to be sitting in a room like this. (laughs) Are they going to keep their hand up with that second question? And I think that's what it comes down to for all of us youth leaders. Are we leading in such a way where we are supporting parents so that they can be the true heroes Mm. of their kid's faith? Mm. And uh, I, I'm just one of those guys. And I know there's a lot of you out there that believe this too. I think we can do it. I really think, I think we can leverage our influence, our talents, our anointing, our gifting, our passions, our roles and responsibilities to help support parents be who God always designed them to be. And I don't care what culture says. I don't care how far gone we are. We can always take steps back to God's original design and original Mm -hmm. plan. And so that ultimately is why I wrote this book is because I believe in it that much.
0: Mm, Man, I, I feel like there's so, we could probably have you know this. This episode could go for like four or five hours if we want to dive into all that because it's it's so totally. significant. Totally. I want people to reach yeah. out to you. I want people to connect with you. And I, because I think so often. I mean, the thing that you, so many things you said, but one of the things was just about how so often we we're focusing on the wrong things. We're we're putting so much effort. I think there's so many of us that are fo- putting focus on. Or our ministry is our program, our weekly program, and that gets sure. so much of our attention. But yeah, how are we creating something that's really going to last? And all those different things, like we could, like I said, we could spend tons of time talking about all the things. One yeah. of the things that I want to to dig in just for for a brief moment, because I, I'm guessing it's also on, on the minds of our listeners, is what about those parents that aren't Christian? Or what about those students that yeah. are coming from from families that maybe aren't even supportive of their faith journey. I've talked yes. to youth pastors this summer. What do I do about those students? Because clearly us as, as youth leaders, we how are we going to really have an impact on their overall discipleship if we only see them a couple times a month, you know? So, yeah. so what does that relationship look like with, with families and students that, that aren't necessarily that, that biblical approach that we hope it yeah.
1: to be? Yeah, no, I, I, it's such a great question. And if you are listening right now and you're thinking that way, I commend you for thinking that way, but I would, I would also warn you to be hesitant to allow that thinking process to be why you don't engage parents mm-hmm. as a whole. I think that's what i found over the years is people say well there's just a lot of parents that are disengaged or they're not followers of jesus so why would i spend time and, and i think we just copy and paste that on all the students but that's i think a minority of people so i tell a story in the book of this exact thing there was in my youth ministry in alabama there was this brother and sister that randomly showed up one night in our youth ministry and the way that it happened was mom pulled up in her car. She actually passed all of our cones. We didn't allow cars to drive in front of where, you know, our entrance was, but she just drove right by, pulled up to the front, kids got out and she like dipped, she got out quick, didn't even get out of the car. She just didn't even put it in park. She just said, get out and go. And so I, you know, started building relationships with this brother and sister. And over time, I'm like, Hey, there's, you know, obviously they're very lost. They don't have a church background, but they are soaking this up. They got plugged in really quick. They loved being in small groups. The brother was playing games, you know, pre-service games and all that. And so I just I knew that I had to get connected with this mom. I just had to. And so our camp season was coming up. And and by the way, those of you that are listening, you're like, "Yeah, how do you get parents contact information?" Sometimes it's doing this. She wouldn't give numbers. She wouldn't sign a kid up for nothing. She wouldn't check a kid in. She wouldn't give any information at a at a first time table, like, nope, she just pulled up. And so I went out to the car one day and I just stuck my hand through the window and said, hey, I'm Sam. And I, you know, uh, I just introduced myself and said, hey, I'm loving your kids being here. They're fitting in really well. And I just, I, I wanted you to have my number. And if there's anything that I can ever do to support you and your family, just please let me know. And she was super caught off guard. Like she was giving me weird looks and she's like, thank you. And her kids got in the car and she drove off. Well, the next week we announced our summer camp that was happening. And, and I told the brother and sister, I'm like, Hey, you guys have to get to this. And they're like, we can't afford that. And I'm like, don't let money be a thing. Like, we'll, we'll get you there. It's not a big deal, but mom wouldn't do it. Mom didn't want to ask for money. And so one day I walked out and I said, Hey mom, there's me just building relationships with the parents. Like, I just want to treat them like. They're gold, you know. So I walked up. I said, "Hey, mom, I've got a question for you. If we pay for your kids to go to camp, would you let them go?" And she like turned her head to the side. And she says, "Are you serious?" <laughs> I'm like, "Of course I'm serious. I would love for your kids to come to camp, and we'll do whatever we can to get them there." And she like sat there for a moment. She's like, "I don't know. Let me think about it." And she like drove away. And I'm like, "Gosh, she's playing hard to get. Like this is, <laughs> this is tough." So, anyways, long story short, they go to camp, and we get to camp. And the brother, his name is Jermaine, brother is having the time of his life. He's flourishing. He's engaged in services. You can tell that God is grabbing hold of his heart. Well, his sister was really struggling. She had some social anxiety, did not like being away from mom. And so she started attaching herself to her small group leader in an unhealthy way. Like the small group leader could not do anything in small groups. This this girl was demanding all the time. And so we ended up having to call her mom and say, Hey, if things don't change, we might have to send her home. And so the mom was just like, you just call me, let me know. And so we eventually had to. And so we called the mom and the mom did not have money for gas. She was just, she was, she just didn't have money. So she drove all the way down. It was like a two hour trip and came and she watched us just for the last 10 minutes care for her daughter and love on her daughter and encourage her. And then we walked her to the car and I pulled the mom aside and I handed her some cash and I said, Hey, Hmm. I know that this was super unfortunate, but we just want you to know that we love your family and we love you and we love your kids. And if there's ever anything that we can do to support you as a mom, we just want you to know we're here. And she starts crying. Hmm. So that story, I could, I could tell multiple stories like that over the years because my priorities were focused on how can I help support these moms and these dads. And so when it comes to parents that are disengaged or lost or totally against things, just pursue them because there's a good chance they don't, they don't want to admit it. There's a good chance they're desperate for help. They don't know what to do and if you keep asking how you can help them they'll give you an opportunity to do it Hmm.
0: that's so good i think it just really comes down to that intentionality right that just being Mm -hmm. incredibly intentional knowing what your purpose is what your actual vision for that ministry is it's not just to to run a great program and bring in a ton of kids but it's to make that generational impact like you said making the right heroes of the right people all those different things, but, but taking that intentionality and taking the time and the work that it takes to, to put into the making that happen. Sam, it's been awesome to have you on the podcast and allow our audience to connect with you. And so I would love for you to let them know how they can connect with you more, how they can reach out to you, maybe ask you follow-up questions or buy your book or all that stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, man, I just want you to know, I'm so grateful. I appreciate you asking and uh, this has been a treat. I'm grateful for all of what you do. I uh, know I mentioned to you earlier just about those other podcasts that I listened to that you've you know hosted and uh, just, keep, just keep it up, man. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're making a huge difference. And I, I wanted to highlight, if you haven't listened to, where did I wrote it down? The Starting and Rebuilding a Youth Ministry. That was not too long ago. I just listened to that one. And the reason why I did is because our family pastor just stepped down. And, and so I'm running our youth ministry right now. And I'm like, you know, I've actually never led a youth ministry this small. <laughs> and so I listened to your pocket. It was great, dude. It was really good. So anyways, okay. h- how to connect. The first thing is I obviously would love to get a, a book uh, in your hands, those of you that are listening. And I, I want to highlight those of you that are bi-vocational. I just really have a heart to support those of you that work other jobs. Uh, I want to give you a discount um, really just to only pay for shipping. So if you go to my website, you can go to parentequip.com or uh, sammcdowell.com. You can find it both ways. Uh, and if you use the discount code SMC for Student Ministry Connection SMC, uh, it'll take the price from sixteen dollars to just five dollars. Hmm. So just that's just paying for shipping because I ship them out of my own office. I want you to have the book. And then you can connect with me on Instagram, Sam underscore underscore. Yeah, I'm that guy. (laughs) McDowell. I I didn't get the one underscore. That's okay. You can you know, message me there or I just, I like to give up my phone number. I'm that guy. So you can text me 239-691-0039 and let's talk parent ministry. However, I can support you or just be an encouragement. Just let me know.
0: Well, thank you so much. And that's incredibly generous. Yeah. To be able to give that discount. Yeah. There's so many so many youth leaders that are bivocational and, and trying to make it happen yep. and have even less time to, to pour into their ministry and, and trying to do that. So thank you so much for that. I'd love to give you a, a quick opportunity here at the very end just to encourage our audience. Anything that you'd like to share as we close out?
1: Yeah. I mean, just like I would tell parents this, I'll tell you, you are doing better than you think you are. <laughs> like, Don't give into the lie that the work you're doing is not as effective as it as it could be just keep going but but here's here's the the caveat to that don't wander forward aimlessly really ask the question why am I currently doing what I'm currently doing and don't be afraid to reevaluate your ministry why I talk about that in the book like don't keep doing something without knowing the real why Um, and the, the last thing that I would say is don't forget Don't forget to care for yourself, Hmm. Um, your ministry. uh, Your ministry will be there tomorrow, whether you're on the team or you're not. Your ministry will be there tomorrow. And if your ministry isn't there tomorrow, there will be another ministry that you could be at tomorrow. But what we often do is forget to care for ourselves. Uh, And so please take the time to slow down. Uh, Very rarely do I find a healthy leader uh, that is running at an unhealthy pace. Mm. And uh, a statement that I live by now is there's nothing heroic in giving all of yourself until you have nothing left. There's nothing heroic in that. And so reevaluate your why, slow down and don't forget to just take care of yourself. Because if you are healthy, you will be able to invest in a healthy way into your students and into the families that make up your ministry.
0: Hmm. Man, that's such a good word to to end on. Thank you so much, Sam. I know our audiences loved having you on today. I've loved having you on, getting to read your book, but also having this chat with you today and just, just praying that God blesses you and your family, your ministry, and all that you're doing for God's kingdom.
1: That's great. Well, thanks a bunch, man. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode. I hope it's not only given you an opportunity to connect with Sam, but to also grow in your ministry. And if so, please let us know either on social media or send us an email to studentministryconnection at gmail.com. And if you know someone else who might enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with them as well. If you'd like to support my ministry through National Network of Youth Ministries, please follow the link in the show notes where you can sign up to be on my prayer partnership team and my financial partnership team. I still have a ways to go before my ministry is fully funded, and so I've set an end-of-the-year goal. I'm praying for 2023 more in monthly donors to end 2023. Huge thanks to all those who have partnered with me already. I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in joining my team, please follow that link in the show notes or reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you more about how you can partner with us. And before we go, I also want to thank G-Shades for sponsoring this episode. Check out their website at gshades.org and use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. And while you're there, be sure to check out their blog and also the book from G-Shades founder Mike Haynes. We'll be back in a couple weeks with our next episode, so make sure you are subscribed and anyone else that you know in student ministry is also subscribed. But until then, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.